0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Stress relievers. I want to relieve your stress, but I want to be an energy giver. Now, I know God's going to do it, but God helps me to release stress from you and God helps me to provide his energy back to you through me in a word of encouragement or making sure that I get the job done and when you do it do it with a smile those of you that have a supervisor a boss someone that has to give you stuff to do go back over your palm pilot go back over your smartphone look over your day timer what have you been given to do do you have a chart to do those are pressures on those people now it's very easy to say they're giving me stuff so they can go out and smoke and joke and play yeah, God permitted that task to come your way through that incorrigible supervisor only to test you to see if you're going to do it with a cheerful spirit because you're going to do it as unto him so he gets all the glory. Now, I know for some of us this is so weird thinking. But I have to tell you, this is the only way to think and really survive without having to miss going to church or miss doing stuff because you're depressed and you need to have a time out. You've got to learn how to sort your life out. To focus on God, and if you do that, and you can because god says i 'm there to help you, we can do it. look at the second one by the power of God to the glory of God, I should refuse to make excuses when a task wasn 't finished, and you can twist that any way you want, but it 's making an excuse i didn 't do it because, and generally it 's a blame place, and the older we get, and sometimes the more Christian or the longer we are a christian now listen i didn 't say the more mature we are as Christians, but the longer we are a Christian, we know how to make our excuses sound so acceptable to people. That we walk away and generally, and watch this now, island culture is if you gave something, something to do, or you that person said they were going to do it and they didn't do it, our island culture is to say, oh, that's okay, we understand, oh, yeah, I know, we try to be an understanding spirit because we think we really should do that. But often, folks, you walk away and you hear, oh, that's okay, and you just, okay, see, it really didn't bother them after all. What you don't know is it's still eating their lunch and they're having to do this wrestling match to really be understanding. Maybe you really do have a reason, not an excuse but in reality, the task did not get done, did not get done well, did not get done completely, and you, you, you throw sand in the gears. And you really hurt that relationship, let alone the ministry of or the organization. And so what I'm, I what want us to do is to be very careful when we keep making excuses, when we say we're going to be at somewhere, or we're not, or we're going to take on somewhere, no, because excuses can be very dangerous. And I picked a passage of Scripture that sometimes is used as the, uh, the pinnacle of excuses. Look at it here. Then Jesus said to him, A certain man gave a great supper, invited many to come and eat. How many of you have ever done that? And he sent out his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Now let's pause for a moment. Before you read the rest of us, you've got to go back to Bible cult- customs and culture back then. Back in the Bible days, even Old Testament, you take it back to Esther and other places, you would often get two invitations. The first invitation would tell you about the event sometimes would tell you about the time it would occur, but often would say, you are invited to this thing. The second would be to say, we are now ready, come on. It would be like this, and you'll experience this at Thanksgivings and blue hours and other things. You're invited to come, so you come to that person's house, and so you're, you know, you're talking story with everybody, and you wait for the right person to say, okay, it's ready, come on in. All right, how many know what I'm talking about? Say, uh-huh. All right, so that's a double invitation. What's really bad is if you accept the first invitation by saying, I will come, but then when you're called, you then come up with excuses that you don't then come up and go the, all the way with that. And that's where we are right now. So let's take it up with the passage where I left off. It says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. So let's see what they were saying. The first said, hmm, I bought a piece of ground. Remember, there were time to eat. Come on in and eat now. I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Well, first of all, if you buy something like property, especially in the Bible days, you had to look at it ahead of time. You already had to see it. You knew what you were getting. So you didn't have to go then. If it was like, I bought it, I already saw it. But hey, you know what? You invited me for a meal, but I'm not going to go because I'd rather be at this, my property right now. That's an excuse. Will you make a promise? But all of a sudden, your land is more important. Landscaping is more important. Working the building, helping out around your house after you made a particular commitment. That's an excuse. Then the second one. That wasn't enough. So Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. So I ask you to have me excused. How many times have you ever really bought a car before you did research on it? You've all bought a car, and you've done research on it. You've test drove it. You looked at it. Some of you that went on eBay, and you got your cars from other places, you still checked out that car. You might have looked at it because you want to make sure that it's right. Well, in this case, these guys spend probably a lot of money to get bovine, to get cattle. And so they're not buying cattle and all of a sudden. Oh, it's time to eat. No, no, I can't come right now. I I, I got to go check my cattle. Can you see the slap in the face of the one who's invited them? So they're coming up with an excuse. Now, remember, checking your land after you bought it. That sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't. What's wrong with that? I, I got to check my cattle. I bought that. I got to make sure they're healthy. That sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? It doesn't fit. It's a it's an excuse, but not a reason. Then the third one, it says, And still another, I have married a wife, and therefore I can't come. Basically, i am going to go on my honeymoon. So the servant reported all that stuff to the master. And you might say, well, that sounds pretty reasonable. I just got married. got to be with my wife. Now remember, in the context of culture, that's the only way you're going to understand this passage. They were invited. They accepted that invitation. Now they're invited to come to eat now. It is now ready. And all of a sudden now they're saying, I can't do it because of these other three reasons. Now let's go back to that married one because that one, we can't really relate to land maybe, we can't relate maybe to buying cows, but we can relate to, I was going to say buying your mate, but you can when you get married. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 24, it talked about to the men who when they got married, they weren't supposed to go off to war so they could cheer up their mate for a year. Isn't that cool to have a whole year honeymoon? All right, now stay with me. It didn't say, when you get married, you can't go to parties. It said, you can't go to war. And so really what was happening here is these guys were coming up with what they thought were excuses. So using that as our illustration, go back to the point. If I'm going to demonstrate faithfulness by the power of God and for His glory, I'm going to refuse to make an excuse when a task isn't finished. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong for you to turn down an invitation when you're first asked. You can't come because this, that, and the other. But be very careful once you've left the impression that you're going to come and then all of a sudden you can't come. There ought to be a really good reason. And often what you might do is give it back to the host and let the host then decide what you can and cannot do. Say, this is my situation. What would you like for me to do? Try that with your boss. Try that with your ministry leader. Allow them to help you get through that and then whatever they say, accept it from the Lord. This is, I know, boy, I tell you, I'm not going to get emails about this this week. But because we are so tuned to not make commitments so we don't have to become unfaithful or we're so tuned to know how to make the right excuse to wiggle out of stuff that we forgot what it really means. Watch this, watch this, watch this. For the world really to see the faithfulness of God in a tough call that we have to make and keep. That's the difference between the immature Christian and the growing and developing one. All right, number three. Remember to keep my word even when it costs me something. All right, if I'm going to demonstrate faithfulness, I'm going to keep my word even when it costs me something. Look at Proverbs 14, 5. It says, A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. I think there's enough said about that. Number four, there are there dangers in being faithful? The answer is yes. Would you put a star by number four? Because I'm hoping that this point might bring a little bit of balance back to what I've been saying. I've been really bending this here to kind of rebend the tree in the right direction. But at the same time, I don't want to snap it and overbend it. So let's look at it here. It says this. Saying yes to too many requests, I mean it's committing to too many requests, builds up unrealistic expectations of others in you. So yes, you can, be faith, you can have your faithfulness tested because you got in the habit of saying yes to everything. And what happens is it builds up unrealistic expectations in you. When you say yes, people are going to take you at your word, at least inwardly. But it also builds up unnecessary pressure on you to complete the task. And some of you know just what I mean. You have a hard time uh, um, staying within the margins of what you know God wants you to do. An intimate time with God, an appropriate amount of time with your family, working an appropriate amount of hours to provide for your family, nothing more, nothing less, getting involved in the body life of a ministry and not just attending it. Some people say, I'm faithful to church because you just attend. That's great, but that's not faithfulness. You're not building the church up. You're not really doing much just being there. A ministry is not when you attend a ladies' study. It's when you take on a job in the ladies' ministry. It's not just attending a particular small group thing. It's saying, how can I help and you can count on me every week to bring the food? Or I'll be the prayer leader of that group. Or I'll, I'll, whenever you need me, let me know. I'll sing in the praise team. No, commitment is I'll be there every week no matter what it costs me unless something happens. But it's listen listen but it's not saying I'll be in the praise team, I'll be in this, I'll be that, I'll be in this and this work, kids, lit, lit, lit. and all of a sudden what happens? You've allowed everybody to think you're great. Wow, look at they're, look, they're going to help me in this ministry. They're going to help me at church. They're going to help me on the soccer team. They're going to help me in the family. They're going to do all of this stuff. So all these individual people out there around your life think you're really great. The problem is you explode, or better yet, you implode when all that's going on, and then you let everybody down, and then you walk around thinking everything is really great, and everybody looks at you, and they think, you know what? You're nothing more than a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. I can't rely on you. You're like a, a, a staff, like a, like, a, like a cane that I, I'm trusting in but you're made out of toothpicks and god says that's not how you should be so what do you do you count the cost ahead of time before you make a commitment knowing that you do need to make commitment commitments to show the faithfulness of god through you but on the other hand you don't have to commit to everything and you might say well pastor what should my commitments be help me with that Uh -uh. uh-uh uh-uh this is where you and the lord have to sort it out that's where you got to get along with your mate and your family and you have to sense what is important. important—an Inner life with God. And outer life with my family. Work the appropriate amount of hours. Work with my faith family. Leave time to engage with unsaved people. Watch television less. Go to movies less. Party hardy less. And do some of these other things. And your life will just blossom. Now, I don't... I'm not... Nobody gave me your name. And I'm not thinking about anybody in my head. I'm talking about just the concept of faithfulness. So, yes, can faithfulness be, you know, dangerous? Yes, if it's not biblical faithfulness done for the glory of God. Well, let's look at number five. What is at least one promise to those who possess the character trait of faithfulness? You already know this, those of you that have memorized Proverbs or read Proverbs day, It says a faithful man will abound with blessings. It doesn't say a man who says he'll be faithful or tries to be faithful or is faithful sometimes or someone who starts a project at least but doesn't finish it but at least he started it and made excuses. No, it's a faithful man, a faithful man, period, end of subject will abound with blessings and i'm wondering right now if some of you have been eating hamburgers of blessings when you could have steak if you'd step up and tested god in his faithfulness now uh, i've got a lot written here for you so i don't need to take you through all of these but i'd like you to look at these action steps for just a second and then we're going to go into communion have our time with the lord In order for us to be faithful, we need to accept Christ as our Savior. In other words, I have to allow my nature to be reborn again. I have to allow the Holy Spirit and Christ to come in me with all of his faithfulness, because great is thy faithfulness, God, inside of me. You will never be faithful to the level that God wants you to be faithful until you trust Christ as Savior. If you are constantly challenged with being unfaithful, it could be because you need help and you don't have that help through Christ. And I encourage you to trust Christ as Savior and especially in this world that so many people make requests of us. We can't keep up with it all and we're bound to let people down. Number two, recall the faithfulness of God. God is faithful by whom He had called you into His fellowship by His Son, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Look up here if you will for a moment. I just want to show you what I have and what I will be glad to, to email to you. I have it here. Maybe I left it in my office. I might have, no, here it is you that are on the radio, you can't see this, but I'm holding up a sheet of paper that I did the New Testament study on just the concept of faithful, not faithfully, not faithfulness, just faithful. I found 17 direct references to the faithfulness of God. I would encourage you to go through, that's New Testament. I can only imagine the beauty of the Old Testament that's so colorful with truth and illustrations in the Old Testament alone, but the New Testament gives you 17 references to the faithfulness of Christ. Folks, I know I've rattled a lot of information, but if you could forget everything else I said, I want you to remember what I'm saying right now on the faithfulness of God. Let me read just a couple to you. I want to raise your consciousness about God's faithfulness. 2 Corinthians 1.18 says, But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. It's in the context of waffling. He says, since God is faithful, I'm not going to be unfaithful or waffle with you. I'm going to let my yea be yea and my nay nay. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, He who calls you, you and me, is faithful, who will also do it. It doesn't say God will try to do it, might do it, sometimes does it, does it with a few people. He says, I'll do it. And that same faithful God calls you. Another one says this, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. I'm so glad that I have a guard. How many of you, if you were in your car, and you hit that, uh, uh, what do you call it, Remote electric lock system, you're going through a seedy part of town, and I'm not going to name any, okay, but you're in a seedy part of town, and you hit that button, and all of a sudden, you hear the electrical outlets in your car go, and all your locks go, boom, down. And all of a sudden, you pull up to a red light, and there's these mean-looking guys all around you, and they're all coming at you with their little sticks, and you're sitting there smiling, you know, because my car is locked. How would you like it if they just opened it up, and it was a fake lock, and it really didn't lock? You go nuts. Aren't you glad that even though your car may not stay locked, God will lock himself around you and guard you? And that's the faithfulness of God. And watch this. That same faithfulness will guard you to help you be all that God wants you to be. Another one says, Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering. Why? For he promised his faithfulness. Another one is, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I'm so glad when I confess my sins to the Lord, he doesn't say... You know, I'll think about forgiving you. Or maybe for that sin I will, but not that one. Or worse yet is to say, Yep, I forgive you of all those sins. And you wind up in heaven and He says, Na, 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 no, nah, no, nah, I just lied to you. I'm so glad I don't have a God like that. He is faithful. Just a couple more because I want you to lean into this one. Have you ever heard us refer here at this church that you have what is known as the written Jesus, the Bible, and then you have the living Jesus? If all you have is the written, you're going to have nothing but dead orthodoxy. If you have nothing but the living Jesus, but no scripture over here, you're going to have sweet sentimentality about a Jesus you made up in your own mind. But when you have the orthodoxy of God's word and real Jesus, and you put them together, you've got balance and truth. And here's what it says. Revelation 19.11. Listen carefully. It says, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Him, person, who sat on it, faithful and true. We know that's the Lord. Revelation 21.5 says this, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write for these are true and faithful. Revelation 22.6 says, these words are faithful and true. So you see Jesus referred to as faithful and true. The word of God is known as faithful and true. So since I have Christ and if I abide in his word and his word abides in me, I can be faithful and true to our mates, to actually taking on a job here at church rather than just attending, or if you need me to just sweep the parking lot once in a while, but you're willing to step up and take on a new ministry and be faithful with it. Don't be afraid of failing. Be afraid of not trying and then committing to it by faith, saying, Lord, I am now looking at this, and by your grace and your power, I am now making a commitment, and you're going to help me. Some of you are going to be testing the faithfulness of God and you're going to see yourself grow in a magnanimous way. You might say, well, that's the Bible and you gave me some illustrations of these faithful people and yada, yada, gave me a memory verse. Does it really work in real life? I'm going to tell you that faithfulness really does work in real life. I'm going to give you two earthly illustrations and we'll close. Just listen to these. I want to encourage your heart. I've got so many, but I'm going to pick out one for my friend Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was back on the mainland trying to raise funding as well as trying to raise awareness for the poor Chinese people that didn't know the Lord. And so he was invited to speak in a little tiny Sunday school class. And missionaries, whenever they come to the mainland, they don't have a lot of time, so they're just hoping they get big crowds and big groups and wealthy people and people that just don't know what to do with their money. They all have that thought. Don't, don't tell them otherwise. They, they do. Their spirit says, I shouldn't have that, but I, 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 that's where I think the money is. I'm sure Hudson Taylor felt the same way. So he agreed to come to a little tiny Sunday school class that it happened to meet at night. The only, it was like a home Bible study at night. Well, the day of that event, there was such a bad storm that the leader went over to where Hudson Taylor was saying and said, Hudson Taylor, the group isn't going to be very large. There won't be very many people here. So um, why, don't, why don't you go somewhere else? And Hudson Taylor who had tremendous confidence in the faithfulness of God, says, God called me to come here, called us to put this together, and I believe that God is going to be faithful and do a great work. So he came. The group was no more than maybe our teens here, a little bit more than that, maybe a dozen of them. And all he did was to teach them the word of God about having a passion for the lost and giving their life in full surrender. I surrender all to the Lord and live for Him. Now, Hudson Taylor didn't have any other goals other than to preach the word and leave them with God. They did a study on those people that happened to be at that study. Here's what they found. They found that half of those young people grew up and went into mission work, the China Inland Mission, years later. The other half went into business and used their money to support the China Inland Mission. But all Hudson Taylor was, he was faithful to a little group. You that have small groups, let's say it another way, you that have small, small groups, you look at that group and you be faithful. You be so prepared. If you work so hard, and they, people say they're going to come and then they don't show up and they go to some other church and they go to some other activity, they do something else. You take that one gal, that one guy, that one teenager that's still left, and your faithfulness, you pour yourself into that person and you watch what God will do. Tremendous things. One last thing to bring the balance is faithfulness is not always success. There's a man by the name of, uh, of um, Clarence Jordan. Clarence Jordan lived in America's Georgia. In 1940, he had a real passion to reach the peanut pickers, black people, and any poor people that he could. And he started what is known as the Koinonia Farm. The Koinonia Farm was to grow some things, but to help these people work together and to come to know Christ as Savior. He did this in 1940. But in 1954, the whole community of South Georgia was so incensed because he was working with these blacks and whites together that the Ku Klux Klan came on a particular night. And with all their hoods on and their fiery torches, they burned the Koinonia farm to the ground. The black people scattered. The white people that were helped scattered. The next day, the reporter came out, and Clarence recognized the voice of one of the hooded masked men as being that reporter. But the reporter wanted to find out what you're going to do about all this. You know, what you're going to do? You lost everything now. How are you going to handle this? See, you're not very successful after all. And Clarence was out there doing some digging and doing some little planting there to keep the plant up even though all the buildings were still smoldering. He looked up at this guy and he says, God didn't call us us to be successful. He just called us to be faithful. And I'm going to be faithful at reaching these people for the Lord. And that day with a few other people, they rebuilt Koinonia Farm. And it's still in existence today. So I want you to know that guys... You can take on a ministry here. Step up and say, I'll lead this. I'll teach this. I'll go here. I'll be a part of this. And the reason you can say that with confidence is because you don't have to worry about your lack of faithfulness any longer because God's faithfulness lives inside of you. And you can make it happen. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we recognize that we have been so unfaithful. We are so given to, to, uh, for change. We, we blow one direction and the other. We all do. Some more, some less. Some had poor parenting, so we just think this is just normal. We've been hurt so badly, we don't want to make a commitment because we've been let down. But Lord, I pray the Spirit of God now would touch us through your word and to remind us that God who is faithful, that Father, that whole story we learned about how you would give eternal life to anyone. Who would by faith receive you as their personal Savior. That good works do not enter into salvation. And that, Father, we can have a no-so salvation as long as we completely rely upon Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of our faith. Who died on the cross, made the complete payment for all sin. Big sins, little sins, and for our sin. And you are faithful. And so it's already done. It's a completed task. And all we're doing is receiving the results of that by faith in you and not by works. Now, Father, I pray that if there's anyone in here today that still do not know how faithful you are, that they would test you by trusting you right now, taking you at your word. You said you are faithful and true, and your words are faithful and truth. And we're going to embrace them in faith, believing them to be true. Father, I pray if there's any here today that haven't trusted you, that right now, even while I'm praying, in their own little way, they cannot make a mistake if they just say to you, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't understand all this stuff. I need a Savior. You said you'd forgive me of all my sin, and I'm coming to you, trusting in you, not by my good works of righteousness, but you said that you're merciful and gracious, that you're faithful and true, and I believe that. And Father, however they say that, at least they're putting their faith in you. I pray for our church here that if we have been unfaithful, we have led people to believe certain things and we've kind of let them down, that we won't wallow in that guilt and quit and, and get all upset, but that we would man up and, and woman up and boy up and girl up on this thing and say, you know, we, we're going to grieve it. We made a mistake. We're going to leave it. And we're going to start fresh anew on faithfulness. We're going to begin right now. We're going to start again. Go back, clean up the mess, move forward. I pray that out of our group that we'll have less people say they'll attend stuff and more people say they'll lead stuff or initiate stuff or be responsible for stuff in ministry. And for those that are getting ready to get married in our church, I pray that they realize that marriage is very scary. There are a lot of challenges, a lot of of, of failed uh, children and, and, and other things. But that, Father, that they still can be faithful to their marital vows, to their parental commitments. And that, Father, the results are up to you, but their faithfulness comes from you. And they can handle that. And they don't have to fail. Those that have had business failures or failures on the job or been hurt there, Lord... Wrap your arms around them and show them that you'll be faithful. You'll help them get that job done. And that, Father, that they won't lose. And, Father, let them know that you're faithful. And, Lord, I, I, I don't even know how more to pray about this other than my faith is in you, the faithful one, to faithfully reveal the truths of your faithfulness to them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.